You're listening to the River Walk, a ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today's message is indeed an interesting one. It's one probably unlike you've ever heard. I've entitled it Dear Atheist. This is a message of compassion, it's a message of understanding, and it's a message of a challenge. I challenge you, I challenge all people, whether you're an atheist, whether you're an agnostic, whether you're an apathetic Christian, or maybe you're another religion altogether, I challenge you to look at this Bible, to listen to this message with an open heart and an open mind, and I believe with all my heart you will find the answers you're looking for. I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible this morning, try to find the book of Romans chapter 9. That's the first time I've ever used a a video as a means of introduction, but I think that little introduction says so much more than I could ever say. That's a true story. That's a true story about when Johnny Cash walked in to record an album, and he was hoping to write a gospel album, and that recording studio said those words that I don't ever want to hear said to me, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. If you've seen that movie and you know or you know the story, you know that that recording artist was right. He had reason not to believe him. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't true. And later, Johnny Cash played a song that y'all know, Folsom, and that was true, at least true to his heart. He went on to be a great recording artist. I don't believe you. This morning I want to talk about belief, about the things we believe in and the things we don't believe in, about how we view non-believers. As you can see from the title of this message, I just I kept coming back to dear atheist, dear atheist. Atheism. The last couple of weeks I've got to spend a lot of time on social media and it's funny I see a lot of Christians, quote unquote Christians, they go after a people group. They go after a people group, atheism or atheists. You know, in America, I read that about 11% of people in America claim to be atheists or a non-believer, a non-believer in anything. Many more claim to be agnostics, and that's an agnostic is somebody that just doesn't know. And I, I just I keep thinking about it, and I keep thinking, and I look at 2019, where we're at as a country. And I, I look at the Bible, how are we supposed to feel towards the non-believer? Because what I see on social media is something that I don't see in the Bible. I see, I see 
Christians trying to convert atheists by clever memes and by clever things. And don't get me wrong, I, I feel the atheist, the non-believer. I feel the right way is the Christian way. But at the same time, when I look at individuals in 2019, and I look at the Bible, I become very sympathetic towards the non-believer. I mean, I really want you to think about it this morning. I pride myself, I really pride myself as an individual who tries to think outside the box. There's an election coming up, and when I vote in an election, I try to think as if I don't know the people at all. How would I vote? Not based on party, but based on issues. And when I look at matters such as this, matters of religion, I try to look outside the box. Pretend with me for a minute this morning. Pretend that you've never been to church. Pretend that you've never heard the gospel. Pretend that you see Christians, and pretend you go to school and you see what you're taught at school, or you see what you see at work. And I really want you to compare the two. You know, for the atheists, I'm sympathetic to them because the, the average atheist knows some of these Bible stories. I mean, it takes a lot of faith for, for an atheist to believe that a holy God created the world in seven days. I could just imagine the kind of faith it must take for, for an a older atheist to believe that somehow God told a man to build an ark and he fit all those animals from all over the world in that ark and it, the whole earth was flood, flooded in 40 days. I could just imagine how the story of parting the Red Sea goes for the Israelite children. And I could preach, I could give a defense, I could take an apologist approach, and I could tell you different creationist theories. But I'm not going to do that this morning. This morning I'm, I'm really being sympathetic towards the atheists. But take that, take that into consideration this morning. Now, I want you to understand that while I don't agree with it, I understand it. But let me bring you into 2019 Christianity. And I want you to look at the two compared to each other. Did you know the 2019 Christian family only comes to church 1.6 times a month? I mean, think about that for a second. A Christian who believes God created the world in seven days, a Christian who believes that God came down in the flesh, born of a virgin, a Christian who believes that Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross for their sin only comes to church about 13 times a year. I could understand the atheist, but I cannot understand Christianity like that. A Christian who believes in a real heaven and a literal hell. A Christian who believes that their children, if they never place their church, their trust in Jesus Christ would rather have their, their children on a ball field on Sunday than in Sunday school on Sunday morning. That makes no sense whatsoever. And I submit to you this morning, that looks nothing like 2019 Christianity. That picture doesn't look anything like the church we read about in the New Testament. This morning, I'm not, obviously, I think the Christian way is the right way. But I just, I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking, if I could have the opportunity, if I could reach the atheist, if I could reach the non-believer, if I could reach that apathetic Christian, what would I say to them if I could write a letter? What do I want to look like? I want them to believe me, first of all. I don't want to be like that video. I don't want somebody to look at my life and say, I don't believe you. And there is an example of that in Romans chapter 9, how we're supposed to feel towards the non-believer. 
It's in Romans chapter 9 and in, verse, and in chapter 10. I'm going to read some of it. This is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is talking about non-believers. And he's not talking about just any non-believers. He's talking about his countrymen. He's talking about the people that he grew up with. The people that he loves. In Romans chapter 9 verse 1. He says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. In other words, he's saying, man, I am so upset about this. My heart is just broken. I've got brothers and I've got sisters, not in Christ, but people that don't know Jesus and I'm so worried about them. So much so that I wish that I could be a curse from Christ. That should be our attitude as a church. We should be so concerned for the non-believer, for our fellow American citizens. But I just, we don't see it. We don't see it like Paul displayed it way back when. Look in chapter 10. He, he, conti- he continues in chapter 10, verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Once again, the Apostle Paul writing his heart's desire, laying it all out there. And he says some words in here that we don't usually speak. He doesn't say, listen, I want to be saved, but I'm not going to do anything about it. He doesn't say, I want to be saved, but they're just so stupid. They're not thinking about what they're doing. He uses a word here, and he says, listen, they are ignorant. They just don't know. They don't know what I know. They don't know how God can take a sinner like me and turn them around. They don't know how they're, how, what they believe. And they don't know why they believe it, because they've never heard the truth. And in verse 14, in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he even continues a little bit further. He says, listen, they're ignorant. And then he asks a question, and he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. The Apostle Paul was sympathetic towards the non-believers, so much so, he asked the question. He's like, listen, they're ignorant. And here's the question, how are they going to know the truth? How, how can they believe if they've not heard? How can they hear a preacher unless they get to a preacher? Man, I want, I want to be that preacher. And if you're here today, you should want to be that preacher too. I'm not saying you should want to pastor a church. But you should want, you should want to reach out, to reach out in love. And you should want a lost world to know a living Savior. You should want, you should want the world not to be ignorant. You should want them to know the truth. And if you have Jesus, you have the truth. Thinking about it. Really thinking about it this morning. What? What would I tell the non-believer? What if... If somehow my voice could travel to the non-believer, if my feet could get to the non-believer, what would I tell them? What would I tell the apathetic, the apathetic Christian? What would I tell those that are Christians in name only? What would I tell the, 
the, the Muslim? What would I tell the Buddhist? And I really thought about this week. And I thought, you know what, if I could talk to any of those people groups, I think it would start with an apology. I really, I think it would start with an apology. I would say, dear atheists, first off, dear atheists, I'm so sorry for the hypocrites. I'm sorry for the hypocrites. Because the thing is, there has always been and will always be hypocritical Christians. Maybe you're here this morning and you found your way here and you came in spite of other Christians. Let me tell you something. There's always been hypocritical Christians. And you know what? If it wasn't for hypocritical Christians, we probably wouldn't have a Bible. This Apostle Paul spent most of his time writing about hypocritical Christians. I would say, dear atheist and dear apathetic Christian, I'm so sorry for the attitude that my brothers and sisters in Christ has toward you. Man, I'm sorry about that. I truly am. Look, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you don't see the Jesus I know in the majority of us. And I'll even go as far to say, I'm sorry that you don't see the Jesus I know, even in me at times. I'm sorry you don't feel loved by us. And here's one. I want you to pay attention to this, Christians here this morning. I'm sorry that we expect you to live like us. You ever think about that? How how silly that is that we would expect non-believers to live like believers. How in the world can we expect those ignorant and those that don't know Jesus to act like they do? So I'm sorry about that because we shouldn't. I would write that apathetic Christian that only comes 13 times a year, basically coming once a month and maybe one other time for Christmas or Easter. I would say, listen, I'm sorry for the Christian and I'm sorry for the church that hurts you. And I could say that not because I'm a prophet, but because I know what it's like. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been hurt by the church or somebody in the church, why don't you raise your hand this morning? Well, I can't imagine that every hand wouldn't go up. Of course. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry if I've been the one that hurt you. My family has been hurt by the church. Anyone that's been around Christians knows this to be true. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I want you all to grab a hold of this this morning. I'm so very sorry. I'm sorry that despite my best efforts, I could be the best preacher, the best pastor. I could be the best Christian in the wide, wide world. I'm sorry that I will never, ever, ever be able to change that. I don't know why some people think they'll find a perfect church. If you can find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. It doesn't exist. There's always going to be church hurt. There's always going to be hypocritical Christians. There's always going to be the pastor that messes up, that doesn't visit enough, that says something that he didn't mean. And that's just the way it is. So I'm sorry for all that. But let me go further. Let me go further and let me offer an explanation. Let me offer an explanation. See, here's the thing that a lot of people are so ignorant about. It's not your fault that you're ignorant because maybe you've never heard this. But hypocrisy happens because you know what? We're all born non-believers and we are all the same. We're all sinners. In this same book in Romans 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, it says there's no one righteous, not one. Heck, the very man that wrote this, Paul, he called himself the chief of all sinners. 
So at some level, hey, we're all hypocrites and we can't change that. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So listen, it's not an excuse to be a hypocrite, but that's an explanation of why they exist. If somebody could be perfect, there would be no, no need for Jesus. There would be no need for a perfect Savior. Understand this this morning. Some of the people that you think are Christians, some of the people that even I think are Christians, they put on a really good show, but they are not Christians. In this same chapter, in chapter 10, verse 9, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know what's missing from there? It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and you go to church. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and you're baptized. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and then you attend Sunday school. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and share something on Facebook. It doesn't say if you have a thousand followers on Twitter. It does not say that. Make no mistake about it. There's a lot of non-believers judging non-believers that say they're Christians. Church attendance, baptism, knowing your Bible, even holding a position in the church or the seminary does not make you a Christian. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that makes somebody a Christian. Listen, we need to grab a hold of that this morning. I'm so scared to death that, that I stand behind this pulpit and I preach to a bunch of people that think they're Christians for other reasons than Jesus. So don't... don't Falsely judge a Christian who's not a Christian at all. I would tell the non-believer, I would tell everybody this, don't mistake our hate for sin as hate for you. Because listen, yeah, as a Christian, we're harsh. We are harsh towards sin. Because true Christians, we know the consequences of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And let me tell you, it is death. It's not because we hate you. It's because we love you. We don't want to see you hurt by the bonds of sin. Some Christians even here this morning have been there and done that. And we know, we know that we know that we know that verse to be true. We know what sin addiction looks like. We know what it looks like to see somebody wrapped up in alcoholism. We know what it looks like to see somebody wrapped up in adultery and to see a whole family destroyed. We know what it looks like to see adultery. We know what it looks like to see drug addiction. We know that we know that we know. And listen, we don't want to see you live like that. You would say, Brother Kevin, what right do you have as a 35-year-old man to preach against abortion? Yeah, it's easy for you to preach against abortion, Brother Kevin, but what about the teenage girl who was raped? Are you going to make her carry that baby and live with that? And I would say, listen, I'm sympathetic. Now I understand where you're coming from. But two wrongs don't make a right. You know a young lady that's had an abortion? You won't hear this anywhere else, but a young lady that's had an abortion is 37% more likely to have depression. A young lady that's had an abortion is 110% more likely to abuse alcohol and 155% more likely to commit suicide. What kind of a person would I be if I encouraged somebody to do something that's likely to lead them down a path that may end in suicide? 
Listen, I understand the choices we make are harsh. And I understand that the stances we make are harsh, but we've got to stand up for truth. And it's not because we hate you, it's because we love you. Well, Brother Kevin, okay, fine, you win that argument. Who are you to speak on a topic like the LGBT community? Why in the world would you speak against that? Well, I would point to what God and what the Bible had to say about that. But once again, take the Bible out of it and just go do some research for yourself. Do you know a teenager who identifies that way is three times more likely to commit suicide? And you want me to just embrace it and accept it when the Bible says otherwise, science says otherwise? And it's something that could lead you down a path that could end your life? As a matter of fact, they did a survey and they found that that teenagers who identified as trans, 30 to 45 percent have attempted suicide. Listen, this is life and death stuff. And it's not because of hate, it's because of love. We know the value of the family. It would be so hateful for us to treat it as unimportant. Listen, I would explain to the atheists, and this is something that non-believers in today's time, they love to point to you and say, gotcha. They'll take a teenager that just came out of vacation Bible school and they'll poke fun of them and they'll expect them to have all the answers in the world. But I would say, dear atheist and dear non-believer, don't, don't think that Christians are born having all the biblical knowledge and the answers. For some, it takes time to live it out. Treat us as you'd want to be treated. Don't have unrealistic expectations of new believers. Once again, the Bible says to be born again to be saved. The Bible says Jesus is all you need. That means that you can be saved and you can be a Christian and you can be totally illiterate. I hope that explains some things for the apathetic Christian. I hope that explains some things for the non-believers. So I'd have an apology, I'd have an explanation, and I would end with a promise. First off, I could promise you one thing. I don't make promises I can't keep. And I go back to the beginning, I promise you that you'll never, ever, ever find perfection You're not going to find perfection in me. You're not going to find a perfect church. You're not going to find a perfect deacon. You're not going to find a perfect song service. And you'll never find anybody to answer all your questions. It's not going to happen. But listen, I got some good news. I got some really good news. I promise for you here this morning and anybody listening. I promise for me and my house that you'll find love. You'll find understanding. Through me, and I promise you that just like, just like Paul said, I promise that my heart's desire for you and your family is that you'll be saved. My heart's desire is that you'll find hope, you'll find peace, you'll find love, and you'll find the joy that I have that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, I promise you, yes, there's hypocrites, but I promise you, that there are true, genuine followers of Christ that can be found at any church. I promise you, right here at Beth River Baptist Church, there are some people that's going to come to church, whether it's snowing or 100 degrees outside, they're going to be here because they love Jesus. And I promise, it's at every single church you go to. So don't go and pick apart the hypocrite. Go find the ones that love Jesus. 
Listen, I hope, I hope I'm one of those people. I hope my children play ball. I hope they go to college, and I hope they're successful. But make no mistake about it, the most important decision they ever make is not what ball team to play for, not what university to go to. The most important decision they'll ever make is to follow Jesus. And I can't make that decision for them. Only they can. So I promise you, I promise you, there's parents that care about that sort of thing. There's parents and there's, there's single people. There's, there's teenagers that put Christ above everything. I promise they're there if you look for them. And look, I promise this. You're never going to figure everything out in the Bible. You're not. I, I go to seminary and I've got some great professors. And I could stump them with some of the questions because... The Bible only tells us what we need to know. The man that, that wrote this, once again, he called some things a great mystery because there are some things that we're just never going to understand. But I promise you this, if you read this Bible in context, if you seek the Lord, and just like Paul wrote here, if you open your heart, I promise you that you will find truth. You'll find Jesus. You'll find it. And listen, I promise you this this morning. Whether you're an apathetic Christian, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Muslim, wherever you fall on the spiritual whim, life is better with Jesus. I promise you. You can argue with Scripture. You can argue with a lot of things. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, life is better with Jesus. Thanks for listening to The River Walk. Look, I hope you understand that this message did not find you by accident. You were meant to hear it. And I hope you understand. I hope this clarifies some things for you. I hope you understand that anything the Christian says isn't out of hate. It's out of love. And I hope you understand that a lot of people who claim to be Christians aren't Christians at all. I also hope you understand that Christians are not and never have been perfect. The same goes for the church and the same goes for the pastor. We're not perfect, but we do love you very much. And we know the perfect Savior. Continue reading in Romans. Read the Gospel of John and you'll find the answers you're looking for. I want you to know that I'm here for you. And we'd love to see you at Beth River Baptist Church. Hope you have a great and wonderful week. And we love you. Thanks. Goodbye.